Hey everyone, welcome back to Latter-day Takes on today's relevant episode. And I say that specifically because Chase and I get into a lot of relevant BYU topics of the day. It's been a big week, kind of BYU-wise, upset at UVU, unfortunate for a top 12 basketball team, right? Uh, Taysom Hill had his first start uh, this season. Spoiler alert, didn't do so hot, but we just kind of speculated on that. We give an NY6 update that I feel like is pretty sound. We kind of break down exactly what needs to happen and how it needs to happen in order for us to really have a shot. It's going to be an outside shot, but it's still there. Surprisingly, I'm kind of surprised it's still intact. Um, Bronco Mendenhall retired. That was another big one. So kind of give him a shout out, kind of go through that a little bit. Don't do a whole lot of speculation because we're not really worthy of that. But um, anyway, pretty good discussion today, back and forth. Hope y'all are doing well. Love y'all. I want to make this intro kind of short. Um, got an episode coming for you next week on, drum roll, abortion. I'm talking with two lawyers that happen to be a married couple that have some interesting background thoughts on abortion and kind of the legalities behind it because that's a hot topic these days, obviously, because of the big abortion, abortion debate going on with the Supreme Court. One of them actually clerked for a judge, so he's pretty well versed kind of in the background of all this and how they're really interesting ways and nuances in looking at the law, but interesting discussion nonetheless. That's a long pod coming next week. That'll be fun. I hope you find it interesting. I hope you all are doing well, gearing up for a great weekend, staying positive. It's Christmas season. Stay happy, grateful, and loving. Love y'all. I'll see you next week. Mormons are really nice people. Totally nice. They are the yes. best cult. Have you ever, under the influence of alcohol, questioned the teachings of the Mormon church? Well, these Mormons are so nice. Everybody's so nice. <laughs> Everybody's so nice in Utah. They're all Mormon, right? Yeah. So they're not most drinking. The, and they're like not cussing. They're like, Slovis, you stink. <laughs> I'm afraid it was the Mormons. Yes, yes the Mormons were the correct answer. Because God loves Mormons and he wants some more. Shout out to the Latter-day Saints. We're back, Chaser. Thanks for coming on again, my friend. As always, today I'm looking forward to specifically what roads need to happen. I can't, I'm kind of surprised, quite frankly, that BYU football is still in it in the NY6, kind of. Obviously, a lot at the mercy of the committee, as well as some very specific games to happen in specific ways. We'll get into that. But I want to cover a few things, too, BYU-wise. No serial t- killer talk today. I don't really have another topic in mind. This is a BYU update for the most part. Um, And let's start it off with the most recent news. I'm still gay-some for Taysom, but he had a tough outing uh, in his uh, not debut as a starter because he started last season uh, for a game or two, right? Mm -hmm. And so, and did okay. His record was three and one as a starter. Gets the start again today after Jameis getting the nod going into the season, which retroactively, you know, makes a lot more sense now because he throws four picks, two touchdowns, over 250 yards. The four picks look really bad. Um, He looked beat up. He hurt his finger early on in the game. I'm sure that played a huge factor. I don't know what his fate is anymore. His best fate might be to be kind of this like Swiss army guy that, uh, Sean Payton has referred to him as before, where he's just going to jack of all trades, can go out there and run a random play, catch a random pass, or even be a quarterback 
for either a, a quick zone read play or even air it out on occasion, but not regularly. What do you think? Yeah, that was a, that was a rough game. I was really hoping we would uh, have Taysom uh, launch onto the scene and prove all the haters wrong, but it wasn't really that game. I mean, I will say, you know, I have some experience playing quarterback. I played some backup QB in high school and throwing a foot, the grip on the football is so important. And when you have a freaking piece of metal, not not allowing one of your fingers on your throwing hand to bend. That's got to be incredibly difficult. I couldn't believe he actually came right back out and kept playing and actually threw a touchdown pass with that. But yeah, as the night went on, he made some bad decisions. Some of it was receivers sucking and not catching passes they should have. But yeah, four, interce- four interceptions is four interceptions. I mean, that first interception really wasn't his fault. It wasn't the greatest pass, but it did hit his receiver in the hands, and then the defender made an awesome play to grab it. But yeah. whatever, he still threw three. <laughs> so yeah, it, it, it was a rough night. Back but... that comes with comes with the territory that sometimes you're not going to have. Like it's not your fault you get an interception. It doesn't matter. Those things tend to balance out because there are other times when you throw a clear pick and it gets dropped. So yeah, well, even the greats have terrible nights where they throw three or four picks it's it's not like drew Brees never did that or anything but when you're trying Problem to is he's on, only had five starts yeah well i i hope they give him a couple more games to to, to prove it but it's it's probably not in the cards for him to be a, a qb1 long term in the nfl but you know the dude's made like 50 million guaranteed um in his career i mean his life isn't so bad so no definitely not It'll be interesting. I agree. Uh, it'll be crazy that, I mean, he and Zach Wilson, Zach Wilson got the start again this week, right? Yeah. So they're going to probably play each other next week. We'll see if, if Taysom gets the nod again. That'll be interesting. Now, the, the, this is, it's really telling, like, which BYU fans are going to be rooting for Zach and which BYU fans are going to be rooting for Taysom. Like, I feel like that says a lot about a person <laughs> who you're rooting <laughs> for in this game. That's interesting. I mean, I'm, I'm rooting for both for sure. In terms of like which team I want to win, I want the Saints because I like Taysom more, and I just have always kind of liked the Saints a little bit more. I don't have, I don't care about the Jets at all. I think that's really cool that Zach Wilson still has a shot and everything. If we're talking about comparing personalities directly, uh, I don't really care. Um, Taysom's my guy. He always has been. Like I said, I'm Gaysom for Taysom. So. Yeah. Is that, is that what you mean? Because I'm definitely cheering for both. Well, you know, I mean, obviously we all, we all want to see them both do well. But if it comes down to the end of the game and like one one guy needs his defense to make a stop to get the ball back and win the game or something, like obviously you're going to have one of them you like more, one of them you want to have that winning touchdown pass or whatever. So, you know, in that case, I think I would, I, I'm going Taysom there. I mean, that's obvious, but we, we know that about each other. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> That's nothing new. Um, one thing I think is worth noting is that Dallas's defense is just outside the top 10. So they are pretty good. I mean, granted, there's only 32 teams in the NFL, but still, uh, you know, they're in the upper first third of well, they that. Also have, and, they have the best DB in the in the, in the the league in, in digs. I mean, he was all over the place and made it impossible for Taysom to do anything. So, Yeah. Yeah, and... They've got a good pass rush, so it's a it's a tough debut. I know I'm just making excuses at this point, but whatever it is, what it is. I love my boy Taysom. I, I wish him the best, and we'll see how that goes. But um, kind of moving on from that, though, the other very recent relevant news is, you know, when you go from 
an amazing month. Best month of BYU sports. I'm just gushing over these guys. I guess the pendulum's bound to swing the other way, and we start December off, literally December 1st, getting upset by an unranked UVU in basketball. And we played horrible. Yeah, it kind of brought us back to earth. You know, I was saying after the Oregon game, like, okay, everyone just reach for the stars. Final four, and now we go lose to UVU. <laughs> so uh, time to bring our expectations back to reality. And uh, yeah, that was a rough game. I mean, here's the thing. Everyone has bad games. And BYU basketball this year has played a lot of bad games. They just they actually have. Them. That's the thing that we, we gloss over because we were undefeated prior to last night. And we're kind of like, thinking like it's easy to forget that some of those were pretty close, hard fought games against teams that we're not sure how good they are yet. Yeah. I will say UVU did have some ballers Their Their, uh, their center and their guard could both probably, their center would start at BYU almost for sure. And their, and their guard is just as good as any guard besides Barcelo that BYU has. So they're not terrible. I bet, I bet they win their conference. I mean, they're not, it'll still be a bad loss at the end of the day, but it, there's worse teams out there. You think they'll win the WAC? I I wouldn't be shocked. They're they're. I mean, the WAC's so depleted now. It's not what it used to be. The WAC's a bunch of no names now. That's so. a good point. I don't even know who's in the WAC anymore. But, um, and it is their Super Bowl. I mean, Pope beat BYU at BYU after his first or second year coaching there. Yeah, it's happened when he was at, when he was on UVU. You know, and so it, it it is a bigger game to UVU than it is to BYU. Now I don't say that to be dismissive. Facts are facts. UVU is not nearly as good as basketball as a uh, BYU is no question but and no one would argue that but um I just think they they come in a little bit more heated you get you get a couple transfers from BYU going to UVU um that obviously that game means a lot more to them well, you uh, can see the, the way that Connor Harding was playing he 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 was playing piss you could tell he was out for blood and he wanted to win that game more than anything I think he grew a couple extra uh chin hairs just a oh, just yeah. a few oh because he was so upset the testosterone was just overflowing in his body <laughs> well you you know you get restrained by the honor code all those years you got to go crazy with it when you finally are like free from the oppression of the lds church and you can finally go grow some chin hairs uh we, i guess we don't want to say too much he could still not i mean it might not be a church thing at all <laughs> with connor harding that it's in rebellion of but whatever no, uh I have no gripes towards uh, – Harding had every reason to leave. BYU made it clear last year that, that he wasn't our guy. We weren't going to make him a priority, and he left. I don't blame him at all. I mean, it's fine. I have more of a problem with Nick Emery taking – I was going to say, Nick Emery's response was the freaking funniest of it all, man. That was hilarious. That was hilarious. Yeah, just just like really just passive-aggressive crap. I mean – it. That's just that that kid has no restraint whatsoever. He well, I love that he can't help himself, and he just makes it about him immediately. <laughs> he's like, he's like, I've got to admit how happy I am for my former teammate teammates Connor Harding. I don't know who Colby's ice is or Colby Lee. Yeah, Colby Lee's at UVU now, right? I no, thought he was no. done. Col- Col- Colby Lee, Colby Lee retired. I don't know. That wasn't oh, I don't know who Colby's ice is and Blazing Three is, but yeah. beating BYU tonight, I will always be a Coog fan. Coog's fan, he said. But after what we experienced behind the scenes at BYU that nobody else sees, that's got to feel pretty damn good to win. And you're just like, of course, he's making it about how he got screwed and blah, blah, blah. And you're just like, Mark Pope takes them all in the back room and he whips him with his belt or something. That's, that must be what he's <laughs> exactly. talking about. It's amazing. Anyway, um, 
hilarious. De- definitely brought us back down to earth. I don't. I mean, we'll not, we won't be out of the top twenty-five. We're number twelve, so we'll probably be somewhere between twenty and twenty-five. But we'll be on thin ice. Like yeah. we better have some convince. Like not just beating teams. We really don't have anybody too difficult on our schedule from here on out, except for Utah State. Um, and then we just have to have convincing wins. We just have to beat everybody pretty soundly. Yeah, we I mean, can still be really good. Basketball is a much better sport than football to have a bad loss. You can get away with a bad loss. You just can't have too many of them. Absolutely. Baxter's out. That's a tough one. Yeah, that guy, ACL. He, he, it must like you reach a certain point. Like in football, I get it. Football, everyone's like trying to murder each other every play. But in basketball, if you're getting injured that much, you're doing something weird. Like you're 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 playing like you're not using your extremities properly if you keep getting injured like i don't want to yeah like, someone's got to teach him like how to land or something like I, yeah he's doing something well, i think quite frankly i was actually thinking about this watching Taysom today because i'm sitting there thinking like he just looks like he's getting beat up and he's just in pain now like by the third quarter you're like not only can this guy is he touching his like grabbing his finger after every play but you're just like I'm not sure he's bracing his body correctly when he gets hit because there is an art to that, that most quarterbacks, like they just have to identify. They have to think like, how do it, how is it once I'm getting hit, there's like this sweet spot where it's like, you don't want to completely tense up, but you also don't want to just like be all flimsy. You got to like find this way. It's like, I got to go with the motion, not fight it too much and try and just land as softly as possible. If that's even possible. And so I, I don't think Taysom's ever been good at that. Clearly, Baxter is doing something wrong with how many injuries. Like, that's what injury-prone means. Am I wrong? I, I mean, some people, I don't know. Some people just seem to be more fragile. But I think sometimes it is just your lack of sense of space, your lack of ability to recognize ways you're going to fall that could hurt yourself. I mean, I don't want to crap on Gavin. I feel terrible for the guy he's had. He's I do Taysom. too. I do he's too. The, he's the Taysom Hill of basketball with how many injuries he's had. And he was finally having like a real good season this year. It looked yeah, like he, he was really soft. He's gonna he's a tough loss, man. That is a yeah. tough loss. Especially with um, Harvard gun. Now you really don't have an experienced big. How long is Harvard out for, by the way? We don't know. It's kind of just whenever the doctor clears him. I, I would I was hey. I, from my understanding it was gonna be at least a month or two, so yeah, um, and it, like it's really tough too, because you look at Baxter and you're like, clearly this guy put an effort to get stronger. And I would imagine that was somewhat motivated because he that guy probably gained like 20 pounds of muscle over the offseason. Um, and it's like maybe that was motivated because, you know, the stronger you get, the less injury prone you are typically, right? It ups your bone density. It just ups your protection overall. And that didn't even work. You're just like, gosh, man, guy can't catch a break. I really do feel bad for Baxter. But I also do kind of wonder, like, how much of it is just not being able to land correctly. I don't know. And I think Taysom kind of falls in that category, too. I mean, Taysom... If you're gonna, I don't think you can argue to me that Taysom isn't in the 99th percentile for bone density. I mean, that guy should not be getting injured as much as he is. Yeah, well, he just plays. I mean, Taysom with Taysom, it makes sense. He plays like a bowling ball. He just he he doesn't know how to shy away. I mean, he knows. I think the the correct term is wrecking ball. Probably is what you mean. Or bowling ball. I mean, (laughs) I I, I guess they both they both do damage to things. I'm okay (laughs) with bowling ball. If you're Um, a good bowler, you're not doing damage. So. Speaking of bowling, I made a funny <laughs> remark to a friend the other day. He was he was posting his bowling score, and it was like it was like one eighty three or something. I'm like, okay, dude, you got to be careful because you get much better than that. You start to, start to look like a dork. 
Like, <laughs> I feel like that's like as good as you can get. And if you get any better, then you're that guy who brings his own ball and his own bowling shoes, and you're not that cool. We have that. a friend that brings his own ball and his bowling shoes to bowling. I don't know who this is. I don't want to out him on the pod, even though he'd probably be proud of it, but I don't want to call him out with you crapping all over bowlers. With that said, I actually hate bowling. But also with that said, my high score in bowling is like 209. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of nerdy, man. I don't know. I never know. own – it's nerdy just because I'm freaking dope at hitting pins with a ball. I'm actually not good anymore. I took a bowling class at BYU um, when I was a freshman. Kind of fun. Kind of fun. Um, didn't really care still about the sport, so to speak. I don't know if it's really t- technically a sport or not. I guess it is cause it's whatever, but, um, yeah, I got a 209 cause I was just in the zone. I was just getting really good. I was doing it all the time. How could you not get good? Yeah. I never bought my own ball, never owned my own shoes. And now no joke. I actually hate it. I don't like bowling. Yeah. It's kind of, I mean, I've, I've kind of lost favor or I've, I've, I'm not as big a fan as Jim Gaffigan anymore, but his bid on bowling is pretty accurate. Like that's what you do when you have literally nothing else to do. Um, <laughs> but uh, no, I, speak, real quick though, I, do, I want to talk about bowling a little bit more though, because now I'm thinking too, um, it's actually like, I don't get why people are like, let's go bowling and we don't bowl like competitively. We don't get <laughs> I don't understand why you would say let's go bowling because it's actually not really community oriented. You go one at a time and everybody's staring at you. You're not playing together. You're literally playing alone. And you just have to watch each other play one by one. And the only social aspect is when people aren't actually bowling. Yeah, they need to come up with like some way to like play defense with bowling. Bowling's freaking stupid. That's my official stance. I don't ever want to bowl again in my life. I'm only 34. I don't ever want to bowl again in my life. Well, speaking of your bowling class, everyone's got, when you go to BYU, you have to take one of those like just ridiculous class. I, I took a golf class and we went to a par three course every week and I got amazing at par threes. Now I suck at golf again, but there was a time where I could, I could do pretty good on a par three. boy. <laughs> All right. That was a tangent. Well, that's what I love about the podcast, though. We're able to do that if we want to. Um, okay, let's get your NY6 update, man. Let's talk about this. This is obviously the big news. We landed in front of Oklahoma, which was huge because that ends it. If Oklahoma's in front of us, there's no way that's getting flipped because Oklahoma's not in the Big 12 championship. How are we going to pass them if neither of us are playing? So there's a, a lot of interesting scenarios, and I want, once again, because you've done such a good job keeping us up to speed, give us the update. What does it look like? So the update is, is as it stands right now, we are the first team out. If they, if, if the rankings were the final rankings today, Michigan state would get the last at large bid and us right behind them would be going to the independence bowl. And really nothing. We for sure going to the independence bowl, by the way. I don't know. There's no one really knows. No one really. I mean, that that's the assumption. Maybe there's like some back, Hand, like some under the table deal or something that ESPN could pull off, but it just depends on if any conferences don't produce enough bowl eligible teams. And a lot of that will have to do with like which conference puts two in the playoff. And then if that, if, the, if their last bowl is then as a result of that, not able to fill their final spot, maybe they could put BYU in there, but we're probably stuck in the independence bowl. Let's be honest. But uh, so basically what needs to happen is, I mean, last week we wanted Michigan state to lose. We wanted Baylor to lose. None of that happened. So now we're stuck where we're at and now we have to hope and pray. I mean, it's all in the committee's hands really, but what needs to happen is 
we need to pass Baylor. They're really the only team we can effectively pass because they're the only team in front of us that plays this week that passing them would actually result in us gaining in that large spot. But there's such a fine line because Oklahoma got freaking placed fifth. Now, fortunately, if they blow out Baylor, that does not automatically put them in the in the top four because that's definitely what we want to avoid. We want to, if we can help it, we only want one team from the Big 12 going to the any of the NY6s. Um, Cincy can blow out Houston and probably keep its spot, even Hopefully. if Oklahoma State blows out Baylor. Yeah, the problem is, is Oklahoma State has more to pr- – they have more they can gain from this game because they're playing a better team. Like right. Oklahoma State's playing a top-10 team. Uh, and then, But if Cincy blows out Houston, then th- there's nothing really Oklahoma State can do, right? Yeah, blowing I mean, out Baylor is more important it. than blowing out Houston. And so sure, I think but how do you – Whatever Oklahoma State does to, to Baylor – he was, or since he needs to do that and more to Houston, I think. Okay, so let's let me ask you this then, and I know you can't, you don't really know, but it helps put things into perspective for everybody. I think. How much does Oklahoma State have to beat Baylor by in order for them to obviously not just win, but for Baylor to be bumped below us in the rankings? I mean, that would be, if I had to guess, I mean, I have no idea. Maybe the committee's already made up their mind. There's no scenario where Baylor drops behind BYU. I, I like to think that there's some threshold there, but it's possible that in their mind, it's just over for BYU. But, Could be. But but if I was on the committee, you know, I was trying to be fair, I would say... Well, also being a BYU fan. <laughs> I, I would say 14 to 17 point loss is what we want to see. Because you don't if they blow them out too bad, then it's really going to be tough for Cincy to get the nod. I just well, think- and then there's also an irony that like they blew out a team that beat us by two touchdowns. So it's kind of like, uh, that doesn't yeah. look great. Uh, like, by, but, by but, the transactional but- law of wins doesn't look good or losses doesn't look good for us either. Well, this is the bullcrap part about it. So we know that Cincy has the head-to-head on Notre Dame, right? But if Cincy had two losses, there's no way in hell that no, they would be ranked ahead of Notre Dame, right? And so that that's just one more loss than Notre Dame. So if BYU has one less loss than Baylor, there's no reason why that head-to-head should just be the, the end-all, be-all. Because that, that's not applying to other teams. Like Michigan was ranked ahead of, get, ahead of Michigan State when Michigan State had the head-to-head and they had the same amount Great of losses. Great point. So here's the problem is another, another possible scenario other than passing Baylor and Oklahoma State not making the playoff, which, by the way, for that to happen, you need Bama – to probably beat Georgia because if Bama loses to Georgia, they drop out in Oklahoma State and Cincy make the playoff. So there's a lot. What if, what if Bama lost in overtime to Georgia? I still think if Oklahoma State blows out Baylor, it is not going to be popular for the committee to keep Bama in the playoff. I agree. I agree. I mean, but if they don't blow out Baylor, what I guess is a blowout to you, a 14 to 17 point win. That, that that's what I think needs to happen. I think that's the sweet spot of them not looking too good, but Baylor looking bad enough. Okay. So say that happens. Bama barely loses. Does Oklahoma state still get in? Like if Bama loses, no matter what is Oklahoma state getting in with a win? Probably. That's my guess. And so that's why we need Bama to win. So Bama and definitely then, needs to win. Gotcha. Yeah. And then the other Hail Mary scenario, which I don't think this would happen. I, I don't think there's any scenario where this would work out, but let's just say, we, we just try to boost our resume like crazy this week. So Utah kicks the crap out of Oregon. Utah State wins their game. Baylor smashes Oklahoma State. 
that just gives a, like a B12 shot in the arm to our resume. Does that somehow elevate us above Michigan State? I don't think so because Michigan State owns the best win of anyone in the country right now with their win over Michigan. And so on a resume basis, that's going to be the trump card for them. So I don't see any way how we could pass Michigan State. But I don't like that, man. That's too many no, wild scenarios no, that have to like no, fall no. into place. I mean, that, that is like your last-ditch effort. If Baylor beats Oklahoma State, you just cross That's like trying to shoot the moon in hearts. Yeah. No, it's I, like you've it, already it, lost like six in a row, and you're like, F it, I'm going for it. No, <laughs> no, I mean, the odd, the reality is we need, we need like three or four things to go our way this week. It's, it's not going to happen. We might as well just prepare ourselves for the Independence Bowl. But we can – Watch the watch the, the selection show this Sunday with some sliver of hope to see what they put up on the board. So let me talk about that for a second. I know you're going to disagree with me here because I already threw this out to you this week. I'm in the camp that if we do get relegated to the Independence Bowl and we have a solid win, like I mean, like a, a really really convincing win, like three touchdowns or more, it doesn't matter who we play. Five years from now, the only thing we'll really be talking about is the fact that BYU had a top 10 finish in 2021. Uh, Nobody's really going to be talking about, oh, but they didn't play in the NY6. You disagree with this? I think you're wrong, man. I think we really only talk about... Now, immediately, like for the next few months, be like, yeah, BYU didn't make an NY6. It sucked, whatever. But they still had a great season. We already know we had a great season. Finishing in the top 10 holds longer term like recruiting ramifications and just overall prestige as a university more than just playing in an NY6. Yeah, and I mean and we I mentioned that it's not mutually exclusive, right? Like obviously finishing in the top 10 is great, going to a New Year 6 is great, and doing both is obviously like the ideal. No question. Yeah. Uh but I I just think that like you look back at like I mean we've never done it, right? We've never gone to a New Year 6. But you look back at the teams that, like Boise State's famous win over Oklahoma. And I don't, I, I don't, I don't know what Boise State was ranked at the end of that year, but I know that they beat Oklahoma, Utah in the Sugar Bowl, same thing. Like those iconic moments where, like the underdog goes and gets that big bowl win. I don't know. I want BYU to have one of those. Like last year, we kind of had that season where we never really had that marquee win. But granted, we finished at eleven, but really awesome finish to the year. But it just wasn't the satisfying way that I think having a new year six win would be. Yeah. Eh, it's an interesting argument. I mean, I don't know. I just, yeah, it does kind of cut both ways. Cause you can make the argument that like going to a recruit's house and being like, Hey, like we played in NY six, like you don't know what it's like playing in NY six, like not to mention the gift bags they give you, but like we played against freaking Notre Dame and we beat them and it was amazing or we didn't beat them, but still we played against Notre Dame at the end of the season. Wouldn't you want to do that in Southern California at some time? Rose Bowl is probably a bad example, but Phoenix or whatever, you know, like whatever we get invited to, like, uh, like there, there is that as well, but then there's just something where it's like a resume, you know, we had a top 10 finish last year. We're good. Just, We're legit. I, I feel like BYU has been a quality enough program over the last 10, 20 years that we, you, you would think that of all the teams... Definitely not over the last 10. <laughs> okay, well, whatever. B- BYU has been a big enough name. We've watched so many of these like small-time programs, even like Hawaii, uh, Western Michigan, go and bust the BCS. Like BYU's got to do that once before they join the big leagues. I, it, just, it, w- it, would feel like, it would feel really disappointing if we never made it as an outsider. But Seems like this would be the year to do it. Yeah, um, year, I guess. But. Yeah. 
But I want to talk about one more thing, actually. I don't know if you follow this guy on Twitter. Um, he's at Echelon Copy. <laughs> I don't know what that means. But his name on Twitter is Lucho. His actual name, as far as I understand, is... Uh, shoot, I had it here. I've only seen Lucho. But it's Lucas Lucho, his nickname, Miller. So Lucas Miller. Do you follow him on Twitter? You probably don't. No, I don't he think so. He writes for SI. He's actually he's a great Twitter follow. He he's a he's 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 basically a seems like he's like a beat reporter for BYU but for Sports Illustrated. Following so he's a beat reporter following BYU for Sports Illustrated. I'm not sure exactly the dynamics there, but he deserves a shout out because he wrote an article today about basically all the reasons why BYU actually dominated the Pac-12. Ten statistics that highlight BYU's ownership of the Pac-12 in 2021. <laughs> <laughs> and it's pretty funny. And like he does actually make some really good points. The last one is my favorite, though. Number 10 is 1434 because it really is like kind of crazy. that. And he was able to kind of point this out, put this into perspective. 14 minutes and 34 seconds. That's the total amount of time that BYU found itself behind a Pac-12 opponent this season. That's across five total games. BYU never trailed against Arizona, Utah, or Arizona State. They trailed for a mere 332 after Washington State scored a first quarter touchdown and never gave up the lead after that. It was a close game, but they still never and this is not me adding this. It was a close game, but they still never gave up the lead. The most peril, and this back to Lucho, the most peril the Cougars ever found themselves in was when they fell behind for over seven minutes in the fourth quarter against USC. They trailed for a total of 11 minutes in that game. And he even points out earlier uh, in one of the uh, bullet points, I guess, that he says, is that our injuries were insane. Like we had 25 different guys, 25 different players against USC recorded a defensive statistic. So even like if you're going to make an exception and the fact that USC playing against USC and being from behind for the PAC 12 USC accounted for half of the time we were behind all PAC 12 opponents. And a lot of those injuries playing a huge role in that near the end of that game. That's a pretty sweet statistic. And it does put into a different perspective, just how much we actually owned the PAC 12 this year, the five teams that we played in the PAC 12. Well, the best part about it is just watching the Ute fans on Twitter get triggered about it. Like, like, like obviously BYU fans know we're not literally the Pac-12 champion, <laughs> but it's hilarious to go five and zero against them to beat them on a year where they, I mean, they they wanted to claim, oh, we suck this year. Well, it turns out they don't suck this year, but we still beat them. We beat the rest of their conference after all these years of them rubbing it in that they're in the big boys league that we can't keep up with them. We don't have the same depth. All the all the same smack talk every year after year. The whole like BYU hasn't beat us in a thousand whatever days, and it's like. That comes back to you. I'm sorry. You guys talked all this smack all these years. We're going to we're gonna dish it back when we have a chance to. You glossed over something because you're right. They did say, oh, well, actually, we sucked this year. And they're like, well, no, wait, we actually don't suck this year. But we sucked then. And it's like, oh, it's yeah. funny being on the other side of this for once. But another thing, too, I, I think we all agree. Utah is a much better team now than they were in the first half of the season. I, I, I Objectively, you can say that. They figured out some things, obviously, with not just their quarterback, but just kind of their overall schemes and everything and their defense. But Kyle Whittingham noted that BYU offensive line dominated Utah's defensive line that entire game. I don't think they made many switches on the defensive side of the ball, if I'm not mistaken. So I'm not sure how that fits into this whole thing about how they did suck, but we, they beat us now. With that said, it'd be a good game playing them. 
we we might not beat them by two scores. It'd be close. They could win. They might have a better chance at it. But don't tell me Utah's coming in and beating BYU, no question, if we played again. Well, yeah, and, there, and there's plenty of years where we could say, oh, if we played the game at a different time, we would have won. And I'm sure, you know, we all probably did that to some degree. So, like, yeah, they're just doing the same thing we did. But, but yeah, like, the, the game that counts is the game that happens on the field. Like, it doesn't matter. Like, we we all know if we played Boise State again, we'd beat them, or at least we think we would. But we we lost when it was when it mattered, and that's all that matters. Yeah. Like why why these parallel universes where games happen when they don't? Like come on, the game that matters is the game that happened. Yeah. Anyway, that was uh, that was hilarious, and then seeing the national pundits get involved as well. Did you, I'm sure you saw Reese Davis in the unveiling uh, of uh, of the, the college the playoff rankings on list last Tuesday. He's like, oh, and BYU, the de facto Pac-12 champions it's <laughs> like i love well, it like reese funny. davis who has no dog in this race or no horse in this race like is also saying this thing's a troll all the pac-12 well because and the, the accusation was that only byu fans were saying this ridiculous stuff but it's like no it's not just byu fans everyone notices that byu went five and zero against the pac-12 like i'm sorry so buddies. freaking funny all right man well i want to talk about one more thing for sure if, if we have time, we'll throw out another thing. Now, nah, yeah, we'll just do this one more thing, actually. The biggest news of everything we talked about, we still haven't mentioned the biggest news, in my opinion. Bronco Mendenhall just all of a sudden up and retired. <laughs> that That's strange, right? That, I mean, that kind of seems like a Bronco way to go out, though. It just seems it does, like actually. Some weird, awkward, like, oh, I'm, I'm done. Mentions his wife in the press release, or in his own little statement. It wasn't even the press release, but mentions, did you see that? Oh, yeah, yeah, no. They, yeah, they, he they, mentions yeah, his he wife, and now he's, like, basically saying, like, I got to figure things out. And it's like, he made it sound that, like, there was almost, like, trouble stirring up at home. You're kind of like, this got, got a little weird. With that said, uh, same guy, same writer, uh, posted this, that, that Lucho guy. Um, talk about, like, what... Uh, the fact that in Bronco Mendenhall's statement, it is kind of cool to see this on the mainstream that he's coaching Virginia, talking about his father in heaven and that he likes to be guided in all the decisions that he makes and everything. It's like, you know what? I'm a, I'm my religion takes precedence over everything else in my life. So I don't care if it's like this whole thing, like, Oh, it shouldn't be entertained as sports. I'm all for it. I think it's great to see this in any outlet um, possible. And so that was cool. And it is kind of cool to see that Bronco does take those religion extremely seriously. And clearly it's like the basis of all his convictions. That doesn't mean he's not a little strange at times, a little weird. And quite frankly, I did love him as a coach and I always defended him. It did seem like he stagnated there a little bit. I'll miss him in college football as a whole because he's kind of this quirky guy. He does weird things. But I liked him. I loved his disciplinary approach to things. And he was really a no BS guy. You made the funny in a in a message thread that we were in. You made the funny comparison, like how he would be as a mission president, because you guys were like you and another friend of ours were kind of talking about how he'd be like a crappy mission president. Like he'd be like one of those that like would just be like hard or whatever. And I actually even made the case. I was like, I think he might actually be interesting as a mission president because he'd be pretty strict in, in some good ways. And then. You made the point, you're like, he'd be weird strict. Like, he'd probably work with you if you made out with a chick, but would send you home for not calling your companion elder. <laughs> Honestly, I think he would, he would have some weird rules. Like, the same way he makes his team, like, get in a three-point stance to, like, run out onto the field. 
He would have something <laughs> like that, like in a missionary context. Like there'd be some weird zone conferences. Guaranteed. I could see him spending like of a, of a zone conference. If he's going to take an hour to speak, 50 of those minutes is like the right way to do a greeting for your companion every morning. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, I think he would. There's yeah. something to that. Um, no joke. I will miss Bronco Mendenhall. Weird way to go out. Just kind of all of a sudden out of the blue. Seems like he's got a lot of things going on. Maybe. I don't know. I don't want to make any speculation about his personal life. <laughs> it seems like if I were to guess, no joke, this is where I will speculate is that he's not, he has a lack of fulfillment in his life. And so he's really trying ultimately to just find a more fulfilling aspect of his life. I don't know if that means serving more in the church uh, in general or being more of a family oriented man. I don't know, but that's what it seems like to me. Yeah. I think he's, he's in tune with his own motivations. I mean, it was very obvious to me the last couple of years he was at BYU. His, he wasn't quite as in it as he had been. And I think that's part of why he left. He needed a new challenge, a new, new adventure to kind of get get the passion back for coaching. And I think he probably, that probably ran its course again at Virginia. And at this point he's like, I've made my money. Maybe it's time to focus on my relationships with my family and, and, you know, other things. So I, I respect the decision. I think, you know, whatever you made your money, see, like why do you have to coach yeah. forever? You know, I don't see a scenario in which he's not consulting to some degree, like in one way or another in the coming years. I could see him definitely doing that. I don't know if he'd ever come back to coaching full on. I doubt that. But just there's there's football consultants all over the place that are former coaches. So I mean, some of these guys like think they're retiring and then they they miss it and they come back. That could happen too. But. I I doubt it. Honestly, he was coaching like he was burnt out this year. I feel like, like it if if his defense at BYU would have been ranked in the hundreds. He, he would have taken over at some point. He would have taken the reins back over, just as he did when Nick Howell was screwing things up. That never happened at Virginia. He just let his guys do their thing, and that was that. And I feel like that's a telltale sign for someone like Bronco, where he's just kind of like, eh. He's done. I'm losing it. I don't know. But um, he beats Virginia Tech once, and then loses again for his last time at Virginia. It's too bad. So now does now, now does uh, Virginia go after Kalani? Oh man, they 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 know that they uh, they got a pretty good get in their first BYU steal. I don't think Kalani would be as prone to that. I mean, I'm not saying Kalani either. will never leave BYU, but I don't think it would be for Virginia. That doesn't seem like an upward move anymore. Maybe it was at some point, but I feel like BYU going to the Big Twelve now. I don't see in any way that that would be an upward move. I don't either. I don't either. I don't like, but with that said, real quick, what would steal Kalani from BYU? Gosh, uh, it's hard to what say. What if Whittingham retired? Is there any way he'd go to the U? I mean, I'm sure they would offer him more money, but I feel like he would know how resent how resented he would be by BYU fans. I don't think he could get himself to do it because he cares about his legend as a, you know, following in the footsteps of his hero, Lavelle Edwards. Like he doesn't want to be the guy that betrayed his team and went and played or went and coached for the U. I don't think it would happen. I know he did yeah. that as a defensive coordinator, but that was, that was a different part of his career. There's no way. I'd be so I just, if I don't know what team like convinces him to come, I mean, obviously money talks and everybody has a price, but 
I don't know. I think as long as BYU respects him and tries to meet him halfway with like a reasonable, obviously BYU is not going to meet the the price of some of these bigger, like these schools that invest more in their program. But I think as long as BYU is showing good faith and like trying to trying to somewhat keep up with the with the market value, I don't think he ever leaves. I don't know how like it made sense not paying Lavelle that much. Because that was in an era where just a lot of college coaches were just, they just weren't making as much money. No. Well, since then, BYU has graduated multiple billionaires. I mean, the, the tech, like Silicon Slopes, like the tech startup companies that are all around Utah now, not just Utah County, but everywhere, like so many of them have ties to BYU. That was the kind of running joke that like, that's why we're stealing recruits because like, we're able to like guarantee them NIL deals like right off the bat because we have a ton of like tech entrepreneurs that graduated at BYU. If we're not able to fork out a few million a year at this point, moving forward for Kalani, I don't know what the point is, which I know is a complete 180 from how I felt going into the season. Cause I didn't even, I thought the extension was weird timing. I still think it was weird timing. And I don't know exactly what you were basing it on historically this season has retroactively justified all of that. So I don't really care anymore. And in fact, I think he should probably be paid more. I really do. I think he should be paid in a few million after a season like this, because I was not expecting anything close to this. I thought a marker for him being a good coach would be eight wins. I did. I was like, Kalani will be a good coach with eight wins. Well, he's kind of proven that he's probably a great coach at this point. Um, and he's doing great things with BYU. Pay the man few a few million moving forward at this point. I don't know how you couldn't with the donors that have come out of BYU in the last 20 years alone. Well, the market value for coaches is skyrocketing right now. You're seeing these coaches get 10 million plus a year with these big deals coming out recently. So that's going to trickle down across the entire Absolutely. Land. But I don't I don't like trickle down to be relative to how it's been the last 40 years. I want BYU to start stepping that up. And it's like, you know what? If we if we really want to make it, if we're going to play football, let's do it right. I'm not saying we have to match 10 million, but honestly, if if the, I don't know what the ratio would be because we are, we've never known how much BYU coach has been paid. BYU's never disclosed that, obviously. And that makes sense, I guess. But at the same time, we've always kind of had an idea. And the ratio, just to be arbitrary, was probably like market value for a BYU position coach like outside of BYU being BYU was probably along the lines of like a lower tier P5 school right mm -hmm. so you could argue that it was somewhere between two to three million for a head coach I think that should be honestly it should be closer to five million at this point yeah well the thing is is we know we're going to get more money in the big 12 and so like let's just take a big chunk of that pie and just put it into our coaching pool. Like it, it's like that, that's money we were never going to have being independent in the first place. We were getting by just fine. So let's just make sure we cut a big slice of that pie and, and pay Mark Pope and pay uh, Kalani Sitaki. Love it. I love it, man. All right, let's go ahead and sign off with that. Did you have anything else you wanted to add? Uh, no, I just, uh, we'll see what happens on Sunday. It's, uh, it's going to be fun. Awesome. Well, thanks again for the breakdown, Chase. Always a pleasure, and uh, we'll talk to you later. All right. Oh, I remember falling so madly. There must have been magic in the valley and a rhythm in the night. Because I could almost see it. Did you fade right?
takes time. I, I, if it takes time. I, I.